As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling, another crazy college football Saturdays in the books, Ari Wasserman. Uh, you're dressed as an inmate. Uh, I assume there was a Halloween party involved. Yes. It is that uh, time of year. Yes. Uh, have you ever watched uh, Kentucky, Tennessee's last quarter uh, in a bar full of people dressed up in Halloween costumes? Because I did. That sounds like a lot more interesting place to watch it than Neyland Stadium because <laughs> yeah, Kentucky, <that's> right. <laughs> Kentucky made that game pretty boring by not being very good at football on Saturday. Yeah. So, okay. Um like what? So you were there. I don't want to talk first. You talk first. Like, are we? What are we looking at here? Are we looking at a national title contender here? We're looking at a really good team. Tennessee's really, really good. That that offense, the the tempo it runs at, seeing it in person. I understand why that offensive lineman was puking during the Alabama game. I also understand why defenses just get worn out by this team because they don't give you any time to breathe, and especially if you can't move the ball, like Kentucky. Moved the ball really well on on an early drive. Chris Rodriguez was was mashing it down the field, and then all of a sudden, it was like they couldn't move the ball at all, and it was yeah. Like, it, and Tennessee just kept going, and then Will Levis starts to press. He starts throwing interceptions, and then Tennessee winds up with with great field position, and then it's even easier. So, yes, they're very good. Are they going to be able to score like that against Georgia? I don't know. Are they going to give up more points against Georgia than they did against Tennessee? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, let me let me say this. You know, Tennessee's 44 is fine, right? Like we expected, mm-hmm. you know, 30s, upper upper right. 30s, low 40s. It's the 6. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's that, that's, that's the, the part thing, where you're like, right? Mm-hmm. That's the 6. So yep. Like when I'm looking at Tennessee here and I'm thinking like can this team beat Georgia? It's like we know we're going to get something offensively out of them. Like, I think we're at the point now where it's like they are legitimately good. I'm wearing my volunteer orange. Like, I, <laughs> sure like are. I, I really do believe that this team can score on anybody in the country. Now, it might not look the way it looked in the Alabama game because they're playing Georgia's defense, but they should be able to put up four or five touchdowns on Georgia, right, at some point? I would think so. Now, I think Georgia can probably put up four or five touchdowns on them, too. I, uh, watching Georgia against Florida. Now, granted, Florida's defense has not been particularly great, but we've seen Georgia do this to other teams, too. They have so many ways to beat you. 
Georgia is is a very diverse offense. It's not, you know, it's not as quick strike as Tennessee's. It's not as electrifying. Like it baffles me how you can practice for a week for Tennessee, and then in the first quarter you have a linebacker covering Jalen Hyatt. But that's what they do to you. Yeah. They move around so fast, and and they hide people, and they motion them. or they Like in this case, Jalen Hyatt was stacked behind Cedric Tillman three plays in a row. They did three different things, and the third thing was they saw that Jalen Hyatt was matched up against a linebacker and were like, well, he doesn't have a chance. Boom. Yeah, you know, and it's like we could start right now with the Tennessee – legitimate national championship contender hype train. We're going to get the answer to that question a week from now. Yeah. But they beat the crap out of a very good football team today. They did. They did. Kentucky, well, very good. I don't know if I go that far. But Kentucky is a, is a solid team. We've seen them play very well against good competition, and they looked completely unequipped. Is Kentucky the third best team in the Big Ten? No. No, I, I think Penn State. I mean, would think be about it. Think about it out loud. Yes. Like, no, I think I think Penn State would be better than Kentucky. Okay. So fourth. Mm, maybe I. You know, I think Kentucky Illinois would be a hell of a game. I really do. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the Illini. We'll get to we'll get to my guys. Uh, <laughs> we need to. But I'm saying, like, when you, I'm not trying to pretend like Kentucky is some sort of, you know, SEC champion contender type program, but like they made them look hopeless. And when yes. you and there are a lot of great teams that are trying to win a national championship right now that don't make teams as good as Kentucky look hopeless. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. And the other piece of it was this was such an easy game to be a look ahead game, a trap game. All of there that. were nineteen reasons we could have come up with before the game, and we tried to to say, hey, why this is going to be close. And they came out completely. Tennessee, I'm talking about, came out completely yep. prepared on point in every aspect of the game. They were better defensively than we've seen them all season. I mean, they were, they were forcing turnovers. And, yeah, I, I was thoroughly impressed, and I cannot wait to watch Tennessee-Georgia well, next week. This is the thing, Andy. I'm just going to ask you point blank. Can this team beat Georgia? Yes. This team can also get beat by Georgia, but this team can beat Georgia. This, Yeah, the te- yeah we, we know that they absolutely could get beat by Georgia, but – the fact that they can beat them makes it. Ex- I'm very excited to see what the spread of that game is going to be, and I honestly know that how. I mean, we all know the scene that was set for the Alabama Tennessee game a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, is this the game of the season? Yes, till the next one. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the thing like, is the game the of the Alabama season might Kentucky, be the game might be the, the game Al- right after Tennessee Georgia. It might I, be Alabama I, LSU. Yeah, that's no. I mean, I don't know if they. Depending on what happens, yeah, it's just like, I mean, Alabama Tennessee was the game of the season because it was exciting between two unbeaten teams and it was a litmus test for Tennessee. But like, this seems to me to be the the game that has featured the two best teams of any game that we've watched this season. It is, and the winner of this game is in a prime position. Now they still have to win out in the regular season. I mean, shit, the loser of the game is in a prime position but the if it's winner, close. But the winner of the game is in the position Georgia was in last season where they might be able to lose the SEC championship game and still make the playoff. Yeah, I think that if you the loser of the close of a close game in this one might be in better position than the winner. I disagree. The winner will make the playoff if they finish undefeated in the regular season, whether they win the SEC championship game. Or yeah, not. that's true. That's true. 
and, and especially the loser especially might the not have to play in the SEC championship right. game and get in if the winner wins the championship game. Right, but this is especially true if the winner is Tennessee, because Tennessee will have wins against Alabama, LSU, and Georgia at that point. So, like, if if Tennessee beats Georgia, they're basically in. The I playoffs. think so. Well, I mean, they'd have to win the rest of their games, but that means yeah, beating yeah. Like Missouri and Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's what I mean. But like, yeah, this is like a play-in game for them. Yeah. But even if they lose a close game, they can be the biggest Georgia fans for the rest of the year and still get in. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Especially if Alabama winds up winning the West, Georgia beats Alabama, Dipsy Doo, Dunkaroo. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I. How about Josh Heupel, dude? It's unbelievable. And and we were asking some of the players tonight after the game, does this surprise you? And uh, and and one of the players, uh, Slaughter, the, the guy who, who had an interception and then had the massive hit that forced the first interception, he goes, yeah, I'm surprised. Like, it's the most honest answer ever. He's like, I am very surprised that all of this has happened. Yeah, it's, it's just so ahead of schedule, you know, but it's fun. You know, I, I honestly do think that, this is a very interesting question, but what did Tennessee do to get this good this quickly? And is it a blueprint that can be duplicated? I don't know if it can be duplicated because I think they have a very special quarterback in Hendon Hooker who is perfect for this offense. And then some some fairly unique talents in this offense. But as, as we've discussed multiple times on this show, if they wind up becoming a playoff team and if they are really good enough to compete for the national title – it makes them an outlier. Yeah. They no, would be I mean, the first like, team outside the blue chip ratio. It's the stars matter uh, outlier name, nightmare. Exactly. Exactly. So it will be very interesting to see going forward. Like this is the question. So many people have asked me this this week and it, it's weird to hear it now. Cause it's like, okay, let, let's just enjoy watching this for now. But people go, what, what happens when Hinden Hooker's gone? Can they do this when Hinden Hooker's gone? I don't know. Just enjoy the ride, guys. <laughs> I have <Yeah>. no idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's by far the unquestionable number one in the Heisman ballot right now, right? I would think so. I, I would think so. And then, you know, C.J. Stroud, they won the game. Ohio State did at Penn State. But th- there were moments where you're like, oh, C.J., C.J., look, there's there's a guy coming right at you. Please notice him before you get clobbered. Yeah. So are we are we transitioning? We can. What what would you like to move on to? You want to go to Ohio State, Penn State? You want to go to Florida, Georgia? Or let's actually let's go to let's Well go Georgia to Michigan, Michigan seems State. to be the normal well, or like the to, easiest to, transition, but let's go to Michigan, Michigan State, because there is stuff to discuss after that game. Yeah. I don't know if they showed this in the bar at the party, but I know I'm sure you saw it on your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh the the scuffling post game at Michigan and I mean it I say scuffling it was a it looked like a bunch of Michigan State players beating up a Michigan player is what the video looked like and um, that was uh, Matt Charbonneau from the the Detroit News posted that video and I mean I'll show it if you're watching the YouTube stream this is from Matt Charbonneau the Detroit News and if you'll be able to hear it also but uh, if you're watching the YouTube stream you'll see it
that's a bunch of Michigan State players and one Michigan player. And it was a it was one of the number ones. You can't tell which which number one it is on the video, but uh there's a lot of Michigan State players. It and Jim Harbaugh said after the game that they were assaulted. He did. We have Ward Manual. This is uh, Angelique Shangelis from the, the Detroit News posted this from the press conference. So here's here's Jim Harbaugh will be the first person you hear speaking, and the next person you hear speaking will be the athletic director, Ward Manuel. And we started addressing it. Um, and then uh, and the video surfaced. Uh, what happened after the game uh, is completely unacceptable. Uh, I've talked to the commissioner. Uh, he is looking into it. Uh, we have the police are also looking into it because they've seen the video. Uh, and so they're addressing it. We uh, will leave it in their hands. Uh, but this is not how we should interact after a game. This is not the way another team should grab a player and do what they did. It's completely and utterly unacceptable. We will let Big Ten and law enforcement handler, but this this is not what a rivalry should be about. And it's not how it should be remembered. We won on the field. This man and his team and those players went out there and won. But that to happen is unacceptable. And that's all I'm going to say. I'll leave it to Kevin uh, in the law enforcement to handle from here on out. Could you just say the players so we know who they are? Guys, uh, you can look at the video. That. Yeah, so they, they have turned this over to the cops, I guess, and, and we'll see what happens. This is the second time in a few weeks that there's been action in the tunnel after a Michigan game. I was just going to say it's kind of ironic because James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh kind of had press conference battling duo quotes on on this and for this to happen so quickly after that it's just kind of you know it's weird well so there's one tunnel at michigan stadium that's that yep. is very unusual uh, lester lee on our live chat asked is that normal to have one tunnel no it's not normal most teams have a or most stadiums have a home tunnel and a visiting tunnel and they don't have to cross or or wind up going through the same tunnel michigan only has the one but i will say this because yeah, it's dumb they only have one tunnel, but they've only had one tunnel for 100 years. And it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be. Yeah, I mean, I covered a lot a of Ohio State Michigan time. games and there's jawing in that tunnel all the time. Like that's yeah. part of it. I almost feel like that's part of the charm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like but you just don't like you don't need to gang up on opposing players in the tunnel. Like period. That's it. Yeah, I mean, there I, should be no I, physical violence. Another, yeah, there's another incident, another video floating around too. So it's like this is this is beyond just trash talking. Yeah, go ahead and trash talk in the tunnel, but no, that's yeah. stupid. Especially, look, you just lost. Where was that aggression on the field when you were getting shut out for the last three quarters? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's like part of that is kind of a cool thing where like the two teams go through the same tunnel and they're they're kind of rubbing shoulders before the game and you know there's I mean trash talk is part of football Andy you know like that's absolutely that's part of the game you know and there's plenty of anecdotes of people saying funny things and getting in faces and screaming and hollering and stuff but when it gets to that point it's like what Ward Manuel said it's just like that's too far so um it's it's definitely a shame that that's kind of the story of the game because, you know, the one thought that I had and I wanted to bring to you on the podcast was that absolutely nothing surprising happened on this Saturday, in my opinion. I don't know. Is there a surprising result to you? 
Uh, K-State destroyed oh, yeah, Oklahoma that was State the way they did. was surprised. Uh, not, not that they won, but that, that they won 48 yes. to nothing was surprising. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But I thought it was a re- pretty revelatory Saturday in terms of, of who who's really in this thing and mm-hmm. who's really good. And it didn't take any upsets to kind of get to that point. So, like, to me, it's just like this Michigan-Michigan State game was another pillar in, in, in terms of what we're learning about these teams. And the fact that we're talking about this is kind of – Kind of a crappy oh, it, thing. It, it, so. it takes away from from Michigan absolutely dominating the last three quarters of that game. Now, do would, would I've liked to seen them punch in a little bit more from when, when they got in the red zone? Maybe, but they, they dominated the the back half of that game. Absolutely dominated it. Yeah, and, I think it was seven three at the end of the first quarter, and then at that point, Michigan State had nothing. You know. Yeah. And uh, this is a this Big Ten East battle is going to be really really good. You know, yes. I think that we learned a lot about Michigan, and maybe we knew all this stuff about Michigan, but we we saw it again. I think we learned a little bit about Ohio State, and watching these two teams in November is going to be a hell of a time. And, uh, you know, that to me I thought was the prevailing theme. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk Ohio State. They they go to Penn State. As you always say, grab ass ensued. It was not a pretty game for Ohio State. It's for four three quarters, quarters of grab ass. <laughs> it's three and a half. Yeah, Ohio State turned half. on the afterburners at one point. They, yeah, Penn State good, scores that touchdown to take the lead and then just kaboom. Like Ohio State is like somebody told them, guys, you know you're a lot better, right? And then just it just takes off. Yeah, I actually thought, you know, for a second there that Ohio State could lose when they punched it in there with Catron Allen there in, in the fourth quarter. Um, but it just goes to show you, and I'm like, I'm not going to turn this into like a Stars Matter situation, but it's like their five-star defensive lineman that they waited till July to get two years ago. You know, had two sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, or whatever, two interceptions and a pick six. And she's like, Well, that's why he was you, that's why you wait until July to figure out whether somebody wants to go there. So, you know, I don't know what James Franklin does. And I think that he deserves a tremendous amount of credit, but he's got an impeccable knack for pooling Ohio State into these weird grab ass filled games. Um, but when push comes to shove, and the problem with Penn State has always been for the most part. I know they beat them one year, but they can't close. And if you're at home, get a raucous crowd, especially loud crowd for a noon game, and you're winning by whatever you're winning by in the fourth quarter, you got to figure out a way to to close that football game. And 
You know, I think that it was a, another illustration of Ohio State struggling offensively uh, in big games, which is kind of an interesting uh, pattern when when you look at like their crazy offensive statistics and how good they are. It's like if you go back and look at their biggest games, it doesn't necessarily translate. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think too that um, Ohio State couldn't run the ball for three quarters, which I think is very hard to to picture considering what Michigan did. Yeah. And it brings up very interesting questions about whether or not Ohio state is a poor matchup or a Michigan is a poor matchup for them the way they were a year ago. So somebody asked me and and you saw this on Twitter, what do you think of Ohio state? And I thought, you know, this game is, is kind of typical of what we've seen between these two. I don't think that you can draw a straight line and say Ohio state stinks because Penn state's not as good as they typically are. Yeah. Might not be a, a top two team in the big 10 East, but you know, this is kind of what I expected. If you listen to the show this week, it's it literally what I outlined. That said, you know, if you would have asked me on Friday, do you think Ohio State's going to beat Michigan? I would have been like, yeah, I think it's going to be the typical back to normal type things. And I'm not necessarily sure, Andy, that I think that anymore. Yeah, I, I'm interesting watching CJ Stroud deal with pressure because I, I was not as worried about him against Michigan this year because no Hutchinson, no Ajabio. But this Michigan D line is capable of getting pressure. And it was it wasn't so much that he he was facing more pressure than than usual. It was that some of this was getting home, and he was not recognizing when it was coming sometimes. And like you never see that with Bryce Young. You don't see that with Hendon Hooker. Like you don't see a situation where they take the snap and and the guy's on him and they haven't even noticed him. That that doesn't happen with those people. So that part I worry about because that's what that's what got them last year. You know, they have those amazing receivers. They had, they had an incredible receiving core last year, but C.J. Stroud was just getting battered. And mm-hmm. so that part I'm worried about in, in this Michigan game. Now, I will say, like, Michigan struggling in the red zone early against Michigan State, like, you can't do that against Ohio State because they will stuff you, and you're not going to get the as many opportunities. The both teams were kicking field goals the last, you know, this game, and Ohio State was a week ago. Yeah. Now, both teams are kicking field goals in the red zone. And the thing that I think is most interesting about this, Andy, is the discussion point about Ohio State a year ago when they lost to Michigan was that they weren't a very tough team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that they couldn't get yeah, it in, done in the they're trenches. They're tough now. They're tough now. Yeah. I mean, they're you got to be able to move the ball on the ground when you play Michigan. I think you got to move the ball on the ground at least some when you're playing anybody that's very good. And I'm very curious to see if this team, this Ohio State team, is as quote-unquote finesse as they were a year ago or if they can out-muscle a team like Michigan who's that's their entire identity. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes, it's it like, makes it, perfect it makes sense. Me, it makes me wonder if Ohio State could be soft again. I don't think they are. So here, here's, what I, here's what I think. I don't think it's going to be a Michigan blowout win. I think Michigan can win this game, but I think it will be much closer than it was last year. So, and again, I'm excited about that. I think, and we're going to get a chance to see how tough. Well, the Michigan question is. should be if Ohio State's going to get back to blowing them out. I, I don't care if the, that. I'm not worried about that. At this point, I'm worried about which of these teams are going to make the playoff. They could they both make the playoff? Like, it's possible that they're both pretty close to one another, and that's great. You know, you're looking at that. I think you got that former Ohio State beat writer lens on. I don't care if Ohio State gets back to crushing them or not. 
I can't, I want it to be a close well, rivalry. But the crushing the crushing them isn't because of you know when you think about like where what that means for Ohio State and the rivalry. The crushing them is is Michigan on even footing, which I think is a revelatory discussion. Like if you think that Michigan is built evenly to what yeah. Ohio State is right now, that is a testament to what they are. Because last year you could have said, well, Ohio State wasn't really as good as they usually were. Michigan was a team that had very good defensive linemen who outmuscled them on the trenches. They fixed it with a new defensive coordinator. Ohio State's going to out-talent to them uh, when they face them in, in the horseshoe this year. Or if you're looking at it now on October 30th as we're recording this and thinking, you know, when you look at these two teams, Michigan isn't much of an underdog. You know what I mean? Like Michigan is right there built with Ohio State and beating them would not be a shock the way that it was a year ago. You know, like that, that's the thing that I think is interesting. Like Ohio State's not a 17 point favorite in this game. The fact of the matter is, is they might not be a favorite at all. And what that means for what Michigan is, I think is an interesting discussion to have. It is. And we can have it when they play because. We, we I know, really but like know. right now, you can ask. Like I'm asking you, is like Michigan equal to Ohio State? And what in your mind? I don't know. They're going to play, and we'll find out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know that's not great pod, but that's the truth. We can we can flap our gums about it all we want. Well, no, I know. I'm just play. like asking you what your perception like, of Michigan is. Like, do you, is your think, perception of Michigan is that they're a very you, good I team? Think, I just think I think they're a very good team, and I think they and Ohio State are very close to one another. Yeah, I do not feel it. I do not feel the separation between them like I used to. Yeah, and that separation was massive two years ago. Yes. So Ohio State's got to ask itself, if the recruiting rankings don't indicate that, what is occurring here to make that happen? Exactly, exactly. Let's talk now about the fourth team, because I, I feel like there's a very clear top four, even though there are two other undefeated teams, Clemson and TCU, but I feel like there's a very clear top four. So we've talked about Tennessee, we've talked about Ohio State, talked about Michigan. So let's talk Georgia. Georgia goes to Jacksonville, beats up on Florida. We expected that to happen. I do feel like Georgia just sort of said, hey, by the way, this is how diverse our offense can be. We can score in any way we want. That part, if you're Tennessee, is like, okay, that that's a that's a, one of those gulp-inducing moments. Like they can they can score. Any way they want. Like Darnell Washington is a monster. Just a monster. Yeah, I saw that Florida scored 17 points in the third quarter to get back from 28-3 to 28-20 and make it a game uh, going into the fourth quarter, it feels like. But then the second they scored that 17th point, which, by the way, was all gifted on turnovers. Right? Correct, correct, yeah. Uh, you know, then all of a sudden Georgia's like, okay, that was cute, and then yeah, just we're stomped here. on them. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Uh, that – you know, I can excuse dumb turnovers any day of the week. Um, I, I I think that Georgia is obviously – I would put Georgia ahead of Ohio State. I think that Georgia is probably one, Tennessee is two, and then Ohio State might be three. And then do you have, would you have Michigan four or, or Clemson or TCU at four? I think you would actually make the case that Michigan's ahead of Ohio State right now. Okay. Um, and then I would probably have Tennessee four. You had Tennessee two. Oh, sorry. What did I say? So I said, okay. <laughs> sorry. Long day. I'm wearing Tennessee fall orange. I think I would have Georgia one, Tennessee two, Ohio State three. Um, Michigan four? 
No, Ohio, Ohio State would be four. Michigan would be three. There That's we how. go. Yeah, I knew we, we were we got there, there eventually. Yeah, I'm not very good <laughs> at math, but um, Michigan, I think, has deserved the credit and the right to be ahead of Ohio State right now. And I know that's a weird thing to say. They they play. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's semantics. But, um, you know, it's it's the thing is Michigan deserves the the, deserves the respect from the people who are watching this to say, hey, this isn't a fake good team. This is a really, really good football team that has a chance to beat and and might be less than a three point underdog when they play at Ohio State on the road this year. It's a more important argument if it's two teams that we think are going to be you know, in line for potentially a playoff berth and one could be four and one could be five and they don't play each other. Then it's like, oh God, we got to figure this out. But like with Michigan and Ohio State, they play. Well, they'll they'll figure it out. And, you know, there, there's some other games along the way. Like, I'm excited for Michigan, Illinois. I think that's going to be a fun game. I'm ready for that. Nebraska didn't have a chance to win that game nope. once the second quarter was over. Like it was not even remotely worth watching. Nope. Brett Bielema is suffocating people. It is it is tremendous. I mean, we, we talk about Josh Heupel in year two. Brett Bielema in year two is, is dominant right now. Let's head to the Little Apple for the most shocking result of the day. Kansas State 48, Oklahoma State nothing. This is a, a, an earth-shaking result in the Big 12 because this felt like an elimination game in the Big 12 race. Now, it's only Oklahoma State's second conference loss, and I do think Somebody may be able to play in the championship game with two conference losses, but the problem is Oklahoma State has already lost to Kansas State and TCU, which I think makes it uh, problematic for them. But 48 to nothing, I mean, we, we saw Oklahoma State gut out a big win against Texas last week. We, we asked on the show, on the pick show with Nicole, like, do they have any you know anything left in the tank? And it was, oh, yeah, we think they have something left in the tank. But K-State was starting a backup quarterback. But man, Ari, when, when I saw Deuce, Deuce Vaughn take off of that 62-yard run with 8.15 to go in the first quarter to make it 14 nothing, I was like, uh-oh. This, this may not be the Cowboys' we day. Were, we were both very wrong about this. I think we were oh, both yeah. like... Oh, yeah, we thought yeah, Oklahoma yeah, State we, would win. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know what this could be? I think this could be a, an accumulation of injuries mm-hmm. and just the third week after two really tough games. Yeah. You know, but 48 nothing. Was that what the score was? 48 nothing. 48 nothing. Yeah. I mean, like... You don't see that result in the Big 12 very often. No. Um, that was really, really shocking. And, you know, I think that it also asserts who we believe should be the, the top two teams or have the, uh, you know, the dark or the, the straight line path to the Big 12 championship game. And, yeah. you know, this will be a nice segue into the TCU because they, they want to, you know, maybe a, a closer game than we expected mm-hmm. game against West Virginia, but man, bad, bad beat. That. They covered. They covered. Well, bad beat for some people. They covered on a fourth down play late in the fourth quarter, and they're just trying to to run. You know, hold the ball to run out the clock. And uh, but yeah, TCU got challenged today by West Virginia, which we we said we, we kind of thought tough yeah. to play there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess the the question here is whether or not you think TCU is going to get bitten by somebody. They got four games left. They got a home game against Tech on Saturday at Texas, at Baylor, at Iowa State. That's a tough four game stretch for them, especially the um, at Baylor. Baylor seems to have found itself a little. Yeah, bit. yeah, but Kansas State, man. I yeah that and Kansas State's playing Texas next week. Now I th- that's in Manhattan. I am curious about. You know, is Adrian Martinez going to be back? Does it matter? Does is are they better with Will Howard? It, it's hard to tell. I mean, does it but, change how you feel about TCU? 
that they beat Kansas State? Yeah, that Kansas no, State I, did this. I mean, I, I don't know. Like very, just... I feel very good about TCU. I, I think TCU is good. If TCU is undefeated, they're making the playoff. If TCU has one loss and is the Big 12 champ, I think there's still a chance they're making the playoff. Yeah. Yeah, especially if it's like the loss is a close loss at Texas. Yeah, something like that. It, I mean, I, I'm a little worried for Texas. I mean, that, that, this, is, this is a juggernaut they're going to see up in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, geez. Yeah, I, I did not see 48 nothing coming, but you know, this kind of could be a fun game that we could play maybe at the end of the show. But it's like, alive for the playoff, yes or no? Just go down the list of. I like whether- it. I, that is absolutely, and because we're gonna have the uh, we're gonna have the the first playoff li- ranking on Tuesday night. By the way, uh, if you weren't listening the other day, we're changing things around a little bit with the schedule. So Ari and I are gonna go live on Tuesday night right after the ranking show. Normally, we, we record a show Wednesday that that drops on Thursday. So we're gonna do that on Tuesday night. If you're listening in podcast form, you'll get it on Wednesday morning. If you want to watch it live, though, it will come on right after the ranking show and, and the you know committee chair explains what's going on. We'll come on and complain about all that stuff. So it'll be a, it'll be a blast. I think Scott Docterman's going to be on with us when we do that. So he'll be our voice of reason. But that is I got the hot take spewing out of my mouth already, bud. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. We'll be right back after these words. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Six turnovers in one quarter, which is what Wake Forest did in a 48-21 loss to Louisville. Is there more of a Jekyll and Hyde team this season than Louisville? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. They have had a weird year. They got shelled by by Syracuse. They had that weird loss to Florida State on Friday night. Uh, They somehow managed to lose to B.C., the, the BC loss is what makes your point. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But then but then they they crush Pittsburgh and nobody had been able like Clemson barely beat Wake Forest. They hammered Wake Forest. Yeah. Well, I mean, in fairness, Wake for, Forest turned the ball over six times in a quarter. Did they put up 35 on them? Yeah, 35 in the third quarter. They did. Uh <laughs> If somebody kept getting you Christmas gifts, I mean, eventually you're gonna, you know, you're gonna use them. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to assign praise on this. It, do you it, assign praise to Louisville for forcing the turnovers and yes, capitalizing you on them? They, you, they played a role in the turnovers. It wasn't like Sam Hartman yeah, was, was like grab ass. Here, if you watched them, it was all here's grab the ass. football. It was not all yeah. grab ass. <laughs> you can't turn the ball over six times in a quarter and be no grab ass. There is some grab ass okay, involved, yeah. yes, but some, <laughs> some credit needs to be given to the Cardinals here. Can we, can we get grab ass to be like a sponsored term? Because I was using it a lot on Twitter today, and everyone's like, I've never heard a human being your age no, use the I, word I, grab I ass. I don't as think so, Ari. I think that would be very problematic as a sponsored term. I don't think anybody would be willing to sponsor that particular term in, well, it's in an 2022. Okay term. No, it's, it's not. not. I don't think it's an offensive term. 
Uh, it, it, it is if you grab somebody's ass that doesn't want to be grabbed. I mean, I guess. It's, That's it's a just problem. a term of just like running around and, and messing around with people. That's that's yeah. how I viewed it. My gym teacher used to say it, but Bill Landis brought it back into my life three or four years ago, and I thought it was hilarious to hear it again because I hadn't heard it since high school, and here we are. That's um, exactly right. But hey, it uh, is a uh, – it is – you know, Wake Forest, my editor, Mitch Light's son, goes to Wake Forest, and he was talking about uh, Wake Forest going to the Orange Bowl, and Mitch, who's very up-to-date and up-to-speed with college football, how to tell his kid to to kind of pump the brakes a little bit, and I think he, he kind of <laughs> learned especially that you don't assign the Orange Bowl to your team in October. So uh, that was a rough loss for them. And, you know, I think the fact of the matter is it's a stark reminder, too, that even when your team is built the way – that Wake Forest is built coming off a very good year that when they're exceeding expectations at the rate that they're exceeding them. And it kind of is the same thing for Kansas too. When you've got these teams that talent wise probably don't stack up with some of the elite teams in the country that eventually you're going to get bitten and Wake Forest got bitten. But the, the the problem with Wake Forest is that a lot of it was self-imposed, you know, mm-hmm. crap that, that got up to them. So um, it's just a reminder yeah. Of how freaking hard it is, not just for Wake Forest, but for anybody to go undefeated, especially in their conference schedule. Well, you just made the case for Clemson, though, because. Yeah, no, I know. They might do I know. It. Okay. So I know. speaking of Clemson, they play Notre Dame next week. We will stay in the ACC and the quasi ACC because Notre Dame went to Syracuse and put a whooping on the orange. And if you watch that game early on, Notre Dame was just running the ball straight up the middle and Syracuse could do nothing to stop it. Uh, Syracuse made a quarterback change. They they went with uh, with Carlos Del Rio Wilson. It worked for a minute, but it, it wasn't good enough. And Notre Dame wins forty one to twenty four. After what we saw today, do you think Notre Dame has a chance to beat Clemson when Clemson comes to visit South Bend next weekend? Well, I mean. Aren't you just going to use a transitive property to answer that question since it's I am infallible? It's an infallible <laughs> tool when analyzing college football. I mean, I um, I was surprised that Notre Dame did what they did to Syracuse um, because they had a hard time scoring on anybody this year, um, except North Carolina. Except North Carolina, which hey, which buddy, by we got to get seven to and one now. Yeah, oh, yes. They won again, so I mean, eventually yes. you're going to have to stop this North Carolina slander. North. Oh wait, I'll what's it going to take now? for Let's, the slander to go away, I, Andy? I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you what. Drake May was awesome again. They beat five touchdown passes, Brad. Yeah, but here's the better part: if you're a North Carolina fan, North Carolina outscored Pitt in the second half, twenty-eight to seven. The defense showed up in the second half. North Carolina plays Virginia, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, and NC State. Like this. Congratulations will- on your coastal title, Tar Heels. Yeah, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me ask you this. I'm just so ready to start the playoff contender, not playoff contender discussion. We'll put it off. We'll let people, uh, you know, have a uh, we, we have to-, to have at least one more commercial break before that. But- we'll, we'll have a commercial break at the end. But this team is a discussion point, in my opinion. Now, Ooh. I don't know if they're. Uh, oh, yeah. No, no. If they, if they know, are like, a 12 and one. ACC champion, sure. Oh, by the can, can they got can the I doors just, blown off by Notre Dame, though. I don't know if you come back from that. I, I that is a problem. I do want to point out one other game in the ACC, though, if mm-hmm. I can. That was sure. highly entertaining, probably to only me at the end. Virginia Miami, nine nine in regulation. That was a sickos game. 
It was an absolute sickos game. There was a, a sequence at the end of regulation before Miami kicked the tying field goal where they spent 10 minutes trying to figure out what the clock should be, what down should be. It was, it was, and then the referee gets on the mic. And and I assume you've watched South Park, right? I have, yeah. You know Mr. Mackey, the guidance counselor. But drugs are bad and good. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the referee in this game sounded just like Mr. Mackey. Drugs are bad and good. So we're going to go to overtime, gentlemen. I'm good. And I'm going to flip this coin. It's a head and a tail. I'm good. And uh, whoever wins will decide if they're going to play offense or defense. I'm good. And it was it was amazing. It was it was great. So they they ended up going to penalty kicks. You know, once you get past the end of the third overtime, penalty yep. kicks. And and Miami won fourteen to twelve. So a score that no one who people who didn't watch the game, which was almost everyone, would be like, "Oh, they scored two touchdowns." No, no one scored a single touchdown. Even in the overtime periods where you get to start in twenty five yard line. Exactly. No uh, touchdowns. Yeah, Zero. I don't. Uh, I think the Miami discussion is kind of a Wednesday show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if if it fits well into tonight, but. Hey, good for you, Mario. You stopped the skid of losing four out of five. Stopped the bleeding. Yeah. You stopped the bleeding a little bit, got the win, and, you know, you can kind of, you know, collect yeah. yourself. And they, Flo- the Florida biggest State, win of the week, by the way, Florida for State's Miami. down there next week, by the Oh, Cormani McLean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, happening on, I didn't, I mean, Florida was the favorite there. I don't know what it's like in Gainesville. You tell me. Uh, they that are. That was a rough, uh, that was Defcon, a tough pill to swallow. DEFCON won in Gainesville right now because they just got beat by the team that they're supposed to be getting the five stars to combat. And uh, it was a, a bitter pill. But uh, Florida State coming down to Miami next week. Florida State beat Georgia Tech on Saturday. You know Mike Norvell's out for blood because Miami is doing these things on the recruiting trail. And so this is Mike Norvell's chance to say, hey, hey you sure you want to go there? You know, so, Andy, I think that we need to work in a Florida show at some point. I think there's a lot to unpack with Florida, a lot to unpack with Miami, and a lot to unpack with Florida State. I, I, I'm going to have to call my friends over at Big Three Roll-Up and make sure it's okay we, we traverse on their territory. But, yeah, uh, you I tell me. I don't want to th- do that. But I think, I think we can handle that. But, yeah, this is, uh, th- this is going to be pretty interesting in the old Sunshine State because nobody's really happy. Florida State is the happiest, I guess, but they're still not happy. Which is crazy because I yeah. think that they were the team that I would buy the least amount of stock in right now. Oh, I think they're playing the, – the, the improvement, while gradual, is noticeable and consistent. And if he can just improve the roster, if Mike Norvell can just improve the roster – Oh, you mean the hardest part? Shape. Yes, the hardest part. I, I got gotcha, you. I know. If, if, you had to, if you had to buy stock in the future, the next seven years of Florida State, Florida, and Miami – Oh, God. Florida State is last, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know because they might have the best on-field coach. Save it for the Wednesday show. Yeah, we will we, we'll definitely do that. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about an offensive explosion in Iowa City. 398 total yards, 220 passing yards, 7.3 yards per attempt. A very respectable number. Also 5.1 yards a carry. The Iowa Hawkeyes beat Northwestern 33-13 in the Sicko Bowl. Ari, how did Scott Frost lose to that team in Ireland? I was just going to say, I didn't know if you were going to bring it up, but I'm like, that team beat Nebraska. 
that team. Beat I was Nebraska. waiting. I was waiting to like add that, and you you beat me to it. And I'm upset about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, listen, I don't care what you have to say about Northwestern's defense. Iowa put up 30 points. They and did. I believe they were all offensive points. 33 points. 33 points. So, you know, I don't care they about almost, who the opponent They is. almost had a 100-yard receiver. Almost. Don't care who the opponent is. <laughs> By the way, even after this offensive explosion, do you know that Iowa is one behind Tennessee receiver Jalen Hyatt in touchdowns this season? <laughs> Jalen Hyatt has 14 and Iowa has 13. Oh, man. Uh, I... They get all the credit in the world. They are improving. I, I didn't watch Kirk Ferentz's uh, news conference after the game, but if he was basking in the glory of improvement, you know what? You have your week, King. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You you had an offensive blowout. This is this is exactly what you needed. This is the medicine. Is this? We're talking continue? about a team here that beat South Dakota State seven to three. Let's be clear. Correct. Like Correct. I mean, like we're this. I don't care how far behind Northwestern is defensively. They had to put up 33 points against the conference opponent. They did. It, 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 this is, although that's the one team Nebraska beat last year, too. That was Nebraska's I, one Big Ten win last I year. I won't so. hear it. I'm not going to hear it. All right. All right. We're all praised for Iowa today. All praised for they're Iowa. They're back. Just say they, it. They're back. They're, they're back. <laughs> till, till they go to West Lafayette next week. They're back. So... Watch Speaking Iowa rattle off five straight wins, and then that's enough to like confirm that they're on the right track for Kirk Ferentz, and they just run it back next year. Speaking <laughs> of teams that can't score 30 points, Ari, Texas A&M finally broke 24 mm-hmm. against an FBS opponent on Saturday night. Sure did. Unfortunately, Ole Miss What would you 31. have set the over-under on total offensive points between Iowa and Texas A&M coming into the day? Mm. Would, you have, would it have been over 50? It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been sixty, which is what it was. Yeah, it went over. It went over. They played the kid, Ari. The kid looked good for two series, and and actually, the kid threw up three hundred and thirty eight yards and four touchdowns, pal. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's true. That's so. Now it was against Ole Miss's defense, which has made everybody look better than they've been for the last few weeks. I realize Ole Miss has only lost one game, but I mean, come on. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I don't think either Texas A&M quarterback has thrown for 338 yards in a game uh, this year. No, this is the first time that has happened. So congratulations to Connor Wegman, but they still lost. Uh, looked at like a freshman sometimes, but looked Con- exciting sometimes. Connor Wegman took a massive shot. On that last touchdown, was it the last touchdown drive, or maybe it was the field goal? Or no, yeah. it, was the, it was it was the they scored a touchdown. That's right. And then they need, they needed a field goal. They kicked off instead of of onside kicking because they had all three timeouts. Which, by the way, worked. They got the ball back. Which is a shame because we know Texas A and M's a great onside kick team. If but, you watched last week's game, but yeah, but Wegman took a huge shot. It it looked like he was talking to a trainer, and Jimbo told him to get back over. I don't know who he was talking to. I guess we'll find out later in the week. But Wegman looked pretty awesome. The last drive was, uh, or last possession was, was pretty uninspiring. But Lane Kiffin had a few, uh, few jokes to crack. Cole Kublik asked him what his ideal Halloween costume would be. And, uh, and Lane goes, oh, maybe Jimbo has a Joker costume for me. And then Lane, of course, 
praised his running backs against, quote unquote, all those five stars. One of his running backs was a five star, by the way. Zach Evans. He was. Five star, five star recruit. So, but listen, the offense for Texas A&M looked better. The defense was troubling. Like, you know, Ole Miss is going to try to run the ball down your throat. And boy, did they ever try to run the ball down Texas A&M's throat. And Texas A&M could not stop them nearly enough. Yeah, I mean, 31 points to Ole Miss is respectable, though, right? I guess. Honestly, Andy. When you have all those... Listen, and I'm not going to do the all those five-star thing. I almost said it. The five-stars are young. But the people who are older on Texas A&M's defense were high four-stars for the most part, and some of them were also five-stars. But you asked Jimbo Fisher before the game, Ole Miss only scores 31. He takes that instantly, right? I think he thinks he's going to lose because at that point they've not scored more than 24 against an FBS opponent. Now they've scored Listen, 28. Listen, all I thought while watching what I watched of that A&M game was why didn't this kid start last week coming out of the bye week? Well, and you know my temperament, so maybe I'm just a nut nutbag. I, I think all the, the fans at A&M are asking, why didn't he start after they lost to Appalachian State? If they if they used the entire bye week, the two weeks there to get him ready for South Carolina, I think they win that football game. I think you're probably right about that. Well, no, because then they still wouldn't have gotten the center ready to to do the cadence correctly. They still would have been using a verbal cadence at a very loud stadium, which would have caused a bunch of false starts and probably a fumble. Yeah, so, they might not have been down seven. Oh, they probably still would have been down seventeen nothing in the first four minutes of the game. But they still would I have mean, given I up a hundred yard kickoff return. I thought that was an encouraging thing to see for Texas A and M. Like for his first start, putting up the yardage and, and throwing the touchdowns that he did. You know, I thought was a pretty encouraging thing to see out of the kid. I think so too. Let's stay in the SEC West. Arkansas goes to Auburn. The final score is 41-27. It actually wasn't that close. This was a beatdown. Auburn's bad. They're two and five now, or three and five now. Can can we just dispense with this? The the news came out on Saturday, it was first reported by Pete Thamel, that Auburn is going after Mississippi State Athletic Director John Cohen as its AD. Uh, from talking to people today. I, it feels like that's going to happen, that they'll they'll come to fruition on that deal. And the, so they'll have their AD. Just get rid of it. Write Brian we'll just do it already. I'm tired done. of like being near my phone on Sunday. I just want to relax. Well, I think you may get your emergency podcast tomorrow. Yeah. I think it, there's a good chance. Okay. It's just like, let's get it out of the way so I can go back. I just want to go to a pumpkin patch with my daughter. I just, I, I don't understand what the point is to to go forward with him he was it it, it was very weird because for those who don't cover games very often usually there is probably oh there's about 20 or 30 minutes between when the game ends and when the coach comes out for the for the press conference it was almost an hour and a half on saturday for brian harson what the hell was he doing for 90 minutes so that's everybody's wondering is this is it happening now balancing his checkbook uh, maybe as we are discussing this at 1.38 a.m. Eastern time on, on Sunday morning, nothing has happened yet, officially. Yeah. So, it's but it, it feels over. It feels like there's no reason to keep going with that. They got to go to Starkville next week. I mean, hasn't it felt over for like a month? Yeah. And I think that the thought is, well, you know, we don't 
we don't really have an interim that we trust. We don't know because you know, I would assume you're going to make the interim either Zach Etheridge or Carnell Williams because those are Auburn guys, but they're younger. They you know they've not really been coordinators or anything like that. So putting them in in charge of the program, there's some risk to that. But there's risk to just letting Brian Harson coach the season out too. I mean it's it's bad. Yeah, I mean who and, cares? Yeah, who ca- I mean. I don't know. The interim head coach has to be the coach that kind of stabilizes the recruiting front. So I understand if you're a little bit worried about. Yeah, but that's why you make it one of the Auburn guys because they. You make it one of the. I mean, it seems to me like a a pretty straight line. Yeah. Zach Zach Etheridge was a captain on a national championship team in 2010. Cadillac Williams was, was the best player on an undefeated Auburn team in 2004. So. And his name is Cadillac. Also, also, yes, that's true. Yeah. But both of them can say, "Here's what Auburn can be at its best," and and mean it. And you know, you don't have to worry about yeah. them Testimony. whether they're right, whether they're going to have jobs at Auburn next year or not. They're still going to say really nice things. I about mean, think Auburn. about the recruiting graphics you can make with the name Cadillac. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, but yeah, that, that it just it needs to be done, and that's that's all there is to it. Before we get to the segment you want to get to, because I do think we should close with that, let's head to the Pac-12, because I, I, I think this actually gets right into that segment. Oregon keeps on rolling against Cal. Mm-hmm. Bo Nix. The most a, interesting this, team in that segment, the, in my opinion. The, the, the Bo Nix-assance. Yeah, well, they are, because of, because of one particular result. Uh, and then UCLA, uh, as we are... Recording this, UCLA is up 38-13 to on Stanford with 4-11 to go. They're going to win this game. So they're in good shape. UCLA got – they let Arizona score quite a bit, but they wind up winning that game. No Jordan Addison or Mario Williams in that game, but they survive. So one loss, Pac-12 teams. We still feel like they're in the hunt, right? One – well, that's – I mean that's the next segment. I think. Okay, let's. All right, let's I, I, just do I honestly that don't know like uh, which team is more attractive to the playoff right now. Just let's just rip uh, the bandaid off. Is it right, USC or Oregon? Oregon looks much much better than USC right now, but USC hasn't been blown out by anybody. True, this is true. Oregon blown out by Georgia. Now you can make the argument it was game one, and and teams evolve. I will say this. The way USC has played over the last few weeks, I am not confident USC will make it through the season without taking another loss. I think I'm with you on that. So that leaves UCLA and Oregon. And we think it's possible for for both of them to go through the season without taking another loss. The question is, which of those is more attractive as a one-loss Pac-12 champ to the playoff UCLA? Did you say UCLA too? I did say UCLA and Oregon. Yeah. Well, Oregon beat the crap out of UCLA. They, that so they did. But that, but in our scenario, UCLA would have to beat them in the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, so I guess if revenge. UCLA beats them in a revenge game, that would be the most attractive candidate because they would have only lost one time, and the one team that they did lose to, they beat. To me, that's the most attractive candidate. The, the, second problem, most attractive- is, the problem is UCLA's non-conference schedule is garbage. Yeah. But we're, we're just talking about the Pac-12 attractive candidates. 
Well, but that um, that's that's a piece of it though. Like if they were sitting there with a really great non-conference win, then you'd be feeling really good about it. Instead, they beat Bowling Green and Alabama State and barely survived South Alabama. Yeah, that's rough. Okay, so let's just say, let's just like map out the resumes here, okay? Okay. So UCLA wins out. Mm-hmm. They beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. They finish as a one-loss team, and the yes. only team that they lost to, they beat at the yes. end. They would be in. They would be in the. They would be in the hunt. Now that's resume one. Yes, resume two Mm -hmm. is Oregon running the table, beating the crap out of everybody, winning the Pac-12, beating USC at the end of the year, Mm -hmm. but having the Georgia loss hanging over their head. They they would they would be in the hunt. They would need chaos, but they would be in the hunt. Right, especially if especially if Georgia is the one seed. That's two. Now USC. Wins out, beats UCLA yep. in the Rose Bowl, yep. beats Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. The only loss that they have is a one-point loss on the road to Utah. Which of those three resumes that I just outlined to you is the most attractive in the college football playoff committee's eyes? Probably USC. I'm with you. I think it's USC well, They've one. also beaten Notre Dame at that point, too. And yeah, I realize I think that's it's not USC that one. big of a deal, but it helps. And I think UCLA would be two, and Oregon would be three. Right. And the most ironic part about this, and the reason why I was leading you down this road, is that the best team of the three is probably unfortunately has the worst potential best resume of the three. So that makes the Pac-12, in my mind, very dicey as it pertains to getting the four spot in the playoff. Agreed. But can we agree that as of today – there are three Pac-12 teams alive for a playoff spot. I think we can agree on that. Okay, you can't eliminate any of them. All right, so we're gonna but we're gonna keep a running tally. So that is three. Okay, we, so let me write them down: USC, UCLA, and Oregon are still technically alive. Okay, yes. let us move right, to so the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve. Let's do it. TCU okay. is obviously still alive. TCU is alive. Okay, um, is. So Kansas State is out. They have a loss to Tulane. So and and they lost to TCU. So they're they're out in terms of the playoff. Yes. Okay. Um, that's it. That's right. it. TCU's o- it. Oklahoma State losing losing on Saturday ends them. So yeah, it's, that's it. Okay. It's really TCU. So so and, there's and I think so, I think they can lose one as long as it's not the championship game. Okay, yeah, I think so. All right, Big Ten is just two, right? Michigan and OSU? Big Ten is Michigan. Well, oh, no, 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 it's not. No, it's not. If Illinois, Illinois wins out, which means they've beaten Michigan, and then wins the the Big Ten championship game, they are in. That's right. So it's, it's three. But, yeah, Illinois still plays Michigan in the regular season, right? Correct. And let's not forget yes. that Illinois' loss was a, not really even a loss. bad call. Against Indiana. They should not have lost that game. Okay, you're right. Thank you for catching that. You have to catch those if I'm wrong about something. Okay. No, I okay. So so we have three in the in the Pac twelve. We have one in the in the Big Twelve. We have three in the Big Ten. Okay. Let's go to the SEC. Georgia, obviously. Georgia, obviously. Tennessee. Tennessee, obviously. Yep. Alabama still. Um, Alabama. I think LSU's out. LSU's out. So even if LSU wins the SEC championship. 
Okay, but Ole Miss in? Ole Miss is still very much alive. I don't think they're going to make it because I don't think they're going to beat Alabama. But, but they're they, every bit as alive as Illinois is. Very much so. Yes, for the same for the same reasons. Okay. So now we'll go to the ACC. Clemson's still alive. Clemson is still alive. And, okay. North, and North Carolina is still alive. And North Carolina is still alive. Okay. Are there any group of five teams that I'm forgetting about right now off the top of my head that could no. technically be alive? No, there's okay. no undefeated one. So here are all the teams that are alive for the playoff. USC, UCLA, Oregon, TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois. That's awesome. Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Ole Miss, Clemson, and USC. The the four-team field will consist of one of those teams. That's 13 teams, Ari. It's it's Halloween weekend. That's great. 13 teams on Halloween weekend is a very... It's great for podcasting. Let's put it that way. We're in it a good is. spot. It is. Um, and going into the into, do you want to try to attempt to rank these now? Yes. Or should we wait till Monday show? Well, we can't. Yes, let's wait till Monday show because we, we've we've okay. kept people long enough tonight, and also we do need to preview the the Tuesday rankings release. But yes, I think we should do that. Well, and and now that we and, and I want all of you listeners and and viewers and and YouTubers. To rank rank them yourselves because you have the thirteen, you have those thirteen teams. Those are the ones that are still alive for the college football playoff. That's not scientific. That's just logically. Those are the ones that still have a chance. UCLA, TCU, Illinois, Tennessee, Ole Miss, North Carolina. That is six of the thirteen that we would never have been talking about in the context of the playoff in August. Awesome season so far. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Another beautiful Saturday. Ari's Kansas dressed- State lost twice, Sked, just so uh, that's why they're out. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That It's the two-lane thing, and they lost to TCU as well. So they're, they're not getting in. Sorry. Yes. Uh, and I don't, know, I don't know if we'll ever see a two-loss team in the four-team field. True, because there's only going to be two more of them, probably. So, So. yeah, yeah. Uh, But that that is a great list, and I'm very excited to rank them. And I think that we should try on Monday when we do our pod together to try to rank them, give our own rankings. I think we should all do Uh homework, our own rankings for how we would do it, and then a set of rankings of how we think the committee will do it, and then cross-reference them on the following show when we break it down on Tuesday night. I love it. I love it. Uh, I don't necessarily appreciate homework on Halloween. It's a it's a pretty big day in my house, uh, but I will still be sober when we record the podcast. So I think that's really important. Yes, and I'll, I'll wear normal clothes then. Also, time. special guests on the podcast, and I know one of our our people who's been watching on the YouTube stream tonight is going to be. Very interested in, in how we rank this, and I bet she is going to bring her own rankings too. Uh, Catherine is joining us when we when we're on Monday for Tuesday, and also uh, I believe we're going to try to have Aero, Alabama beat writer Aaron Suttles. We're going to have a little LSU Alabama preview on that show. Let's go! This has been an incredible season so far, and we've mathematically proven that tonight. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. <laughs>